We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, you amazing souls. I'm so honored that you're spending some time with us here today on Empower Radio and Journey to Center. So here's a question. Do you ever experience stress or anxiety? I certainly know I have. So here's another question. What is your relationship like with your inner realms? Buddha has said our outer reality is a reflection of our inner reality. So what I found for me is in order for me to have the experience of peace, safety, and equanimity in my life, it is imperative that I take care of my inner world by meditating. And if I don't, I inevitably find myself going off the rails and the stress and anxiety starts creeping back. Today, we're going to be talking about transcendental meditation, which is actually one of the most widely practiced and among the most widely researched meditation techniques. In fact, it has been said no other stress management technique has anywhere close to this amount of hard data in support of its claims to reduce stress. I was surprised to find that Jerry Seinfeld and Ellen DeGeneres are advocates for transcendental meditation. And today we're speaking with another well-known leading advocate for this powerful practice. We are so fortunate to have with us Tom North. Tom is a successful financial advisor, writer, poet, inspirational speaker, and the award-winning author of True North, The Shocking Truth About Yours, Mine, and Ours. In his book, Tom shares his experience as the 11th of the 20 Beardsley North children, which was made famous in the film, the 1968 film, Yours, Mine, and Ours, with Lucille Ball playing the role of his mother and Henry Fonda as the stepfather. The film was a critical and box office success. However, the loving family portrayed in the film was dramatically different from the actual Beardsley family, which was filled with abuse, violence, and dysfunction. True North is an incredible book, which I've read from cover to cover and absolutely loved. It's an inspiring and powerful account of a man who rose to success against all odds. It brings to light also how effective transcendental meditation is as a means for healing trauma, survivors, and especially those who have endured any form of physical, verbal, or sexual abuse. It's a story of how transcendental meditation brought peace to Tom North, and in fact, he will credit it for saving his life. So Tom, thank you so much for being here today on Journey to Center. My pleasure, Tammy. So you are a very vocal advocate for transcendental meditation. So I'd like to know a little bit more about how you came upon this practice and your experience of it. Back in the 1970s, I was a uh, young adult and I was having a tremendous amount of difficulty having survived a childhood that was characterized by domestic violence and child abuse. I had no self-esteem. I had uh, I, su- I suffered from severe bouts of depression. I had spent five years self-medicating with recreational drugs, and I was, as I write in my book, a broken soul. And so, a friend of mine introduced me to transcendental meditation, 
And immediately, and I mean immediately, I began to experience relief from the stress that I carried with me every day. So, yeah, so you, you immediately felt a shift in, in just how you felt emotionally, physically. How, how, did it, how did it make you feel? So what happened is that I, was, I had so much cynicism and sarcasm and negativity uh, as a person uh, in, in terms of my communication style that I was unwilling and unable to give a compliment. And what I noticed is that the very first day when I began to meditate, um, I went back to the Beardsley home to visit the kids. I was not living at home at the time. And I went back to visit the kids, and my younger sister was going out on a date. And I remarked to her um, how cute she looked. And it shocked us both because a compliment was something that just didn't happen in the Beardsley house. And, and yet there I was giving a compliment and she said, there's something different about you. What are you doing? <laughs> what's up with that? And so, yes. Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> and, and so I, I told her, I said, well, this morning I learned to practice TM. And she said, well, I want to do that because you're different. And that was the very first day. Wow. So it was like, it just helped you become like softer or more kind or more loving. And what happens, what we find and what the research shows is that as we unburden ourselves from the stresses that we carry in our physiology, that which is natural and normal and loving about us has an opportunity to express itself. Mm -hmm. And it's not complicated. It's very simple. If you... If you take away the stress and the anxiety, as you mentioned a moment ago, what comes forth is our natural tendency to be blissful, happy human beings. That sounds nice. Who doesn't want that? <laughs> right. So, Tom, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm a meditator. You know, I, I feel like I, I need to, you know, be quiet and I focus on my breath and I, I uh, listen to the still small voice within don't know that much about what transcendental meditation is. Can you enlighten me about that? Sure, sure. So there are basically three different kinds of meditation, and they all have the same goal. There's concentration, which you use a form of when you say, I focus on my breath. Mm -hmm. So we, we put our attention on, we keep our attention on our, our breath, some people use a candle, they use light. And so that is called concentration. There's also contemplation, where we might have an idea. Uh, many of the Christian traditions utilize contemplation, where they will say, I'm going to think about uh, the life of Jesus, or the love of Jesus, or, or the life of the saints, or something. Um, and they contemplate that idea. And then there's transcendental meditation, which uses something called a mantra. And a mantra is a sound, and that sound resonates. It, it's a sound that is not outwardly spoken. It's a sound that's inwardly spoken. And so we say it to ourselves, and it resonates in our consciousness 
And it takes us to what you referred to a moment ago as source. And it gives us a direct experience of that source. So the two words, transcendental meditation, meditation is thought. The two words are synonymous. And transcendental means to go beyond. And so when we practice TM, we go beyond thought. And we do that using that mantra, that sound, which takes us to the source of thought, which is the source of everything. So is your mantra the same or different than other people's? Well, that's a great question. Uh, There are different mantras for different body types, interestingly. And, and so there are some body types, some people, and, and we all know them, who are very busy people, and they talk a mile a minute, and they never sit for very long, <laughs> and they're just very, we, we could say they're antsy, or just very, very, they have a high metabolism. Mm-hmm. And so there would be a different mantra for a person like that versus a person who is a little bit slower, uh, and maybe a little bit more methodical and maybe vibrates at a different rate. Mm-hmm. And, and then there are people who are in between. Mm-hmm. And so there are different mantras for different body types. So you've been doing transcendental meditation for how long? I've been practicing TM for 38 years. Wow. So do you have the same mantra you had from the very beginning? Well, you you seem to know a lot about meditation, Tammy. <laughs> no, I don't. Not well, not about TM. I want to know. <laughs> well, you're asking very insightful questions, and the answer to your question is uh, is no. I have. There are some advanced mantras, and they have a um, a different function than the initial mantra. The very first mantra is the purpose of it is to give you, give the new meditator an instant experience of transcendence, of what it is to touch their own source mm-hmm. right away. And it's a very blissful experience. And then suddenly 20 minutes has gone by and you open your eyes and you go, wow, that felt like it was like a minute. Where did those 20 minutes go? And that was simply because the person was transcended and, and they went beyond thought within their own uh, awareness. So, uh, and then there are, as you do that for a while longer and you become more familiar with that level of transcendence, there are other mantras which, uh, or I should say additional mantras, which um, refine the experience. Interesting. And then I read in your book, True North, a shocking truth about yours, mine, and ours. When you were in school, there was actually, you wrote uh, about um, doing a, like a, was it a flying mantra? Well, so there, therein lies a different term, which is a sutra. Sutra. A sutra. Yes. And so in India, these, these ideas or these uh, techniques come from the monastic tradition in India that goes back more than 5,000 years. And so this is from the, the Vedic tradition in India. And the Vedic masters were masters of the subjective sciences. Now, in the West, we're very objectively oriented. Yes. We look at information that we gather from outside of ourselves through our five senses. 
Mm-hmm. And, and yet, in the Vedic tradition, they gathered knowledge and information from within themselves. And the theory there is that the source of our own thought process is the source of everything, and that all knowledge is available within our own consciousness. Mm-hmm. Because as you said a moment ago, the Buddha said that our external reality is a reflection of our internal reality. Mm-hmm. And the more connected we are to our own source, the more we see source in our external reality. And so these great masters of the Far East, of the, the Himalayas, they cognized these mantras and sutras. Now, the mantra, <clears throat> excuse me, it has a purpose of giving us the experience of transcendence. Once we've transcended and we have that experience of our own silence within ourselves, what do we do then? And the answer is, you have access at times to a sutra. And a sutra, we get our word in English, suture, to bind, mm-hmm. like, like a suture for surgery. Mm-hmm. And, and that comes from the Sanskrit word sutra, which means to bind. And it means to bind the body to the mind, so that whatever the mind tells the body to do, it will do. And so there was a wonderful book uh, called the, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And Patanjali was a great saint who lived in India uh, 1,500 years ago. And he set down these, these sutras, these mental formulas. Uh, and so we hear about people doing fantastic things like walking through walls or bilocating or all kinds of fanciful things that most people believe are not possible. And yet there's a whole system of formulas and techniques from India, which actually teach how to do those things. And levitation you mentioned a moment ago is one of them. You're just a wealth of wisdom, Tom. Well, I've been doing this for 38 years, so I do have a little bit of insight. (laughs) You know things. You've been focused on this for a long time, and I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time learning from you. This is fantastic. Thank you. I love something that you said. You said something like, uh, by taking one deeply inward step following by one deep outward step each day, we infuse the inner into the outer experience until there's no separation. That's correct. I and love that's, that. I, and yeah. that's, that's, I think, being sutured with the divine. <laughs> And, and, and having that experience of being like, um, I don't know, really uh, an aspect of the whole. It's this, uh, to me, I, when I'm in that state that you're talking about right there, I see so much synchronicity and so much support. And it feels like um, it's a dance with the universe in a way that's just blissful. And that's the goal of meditation. The goal of meditation is to develop that wholeness to synchronize our outer experience with our inexperience and to free ourselves to express that which is divine within us 
on a daily basis. That's the goal of meditation. Oh, yeah. I love what you're saying, and I want more of that. Um, I would imagine, Tom, that if people uh, read your book and they weren't feeling very good, it would give them hope. Because I think so many people, and I would include myself in this, if I would have picked this up at a certain point in time, I was very hurting. I felt very alone and very confused. And because you said yes to your healing journey and, and became so focused on it, you can now give people hope by virtue of your story and your book and your path, which I'm, I'm so, I just really want to commend you and, and um, all the steps you've taken to get where you're at. Thank you. You know, the reason I wrote the book, Tammy, is because I see so much of that around me where people uh, who have had experiences of, of domestic uh, of violence and child abuse tend to feel shamed and guilty as though they had done something wrong mm-hmm. other than just being a child. And, and that was not true. And so they take this, this falsehood into themselves and they own it as though it were true. Yes. And it's a misperception. And so there's so many people who need to pick up the broken piece of the pieces of their lives and put them back together again so that they can become the wholeness that they are. And this is why I wrote this book is because it is possible to do that. It is possible. It is possible. We don't have to carry that sense of being alone or isolated. You know, we can tap into the divine or the light within ourselves. And that changes everything. Correct. Correct. And yet, when we carry around those, those misperceptions about ourselves, uh, it, in a sense, prohibits us from experiencing our own divine nature. I was just in conversation with a doctor yesterday, and he's an MD, and he's a surgeon, and he's a brilliant man, but he's so intellectual that he, he has a great deal of difficulty uh, tapping into anything that isn't of the mental realm. Mm-hmm. And yet he's a very unhappy person. And so we were just talking about uh, what it takes to be happy in this world. And so I suggested to him that really... All it takes to be happy is to touch that which is divine within ourselves. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because I know a lot of doctors and one of my very best friends was, in fact, um, a plastic surgeon and uh, very unhappy people. And, you know, my my best friend ended up committing suicide. And I, I believe and we would have conversations and debates about. You know, he was an atheist. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Look at that tree. How can you be an atheist? But you know, I just have this deep innate sense of faith that, you know, it's like, it's, it's not even a conversation. But right. yeah, I think if we reside too much in our mind, there is no peace there. There is no joy there. There's no magic there. There's no happiness of just the mind. But I right. think we're, we're essentially heart-based people, but we can become skeptical and live more from the mind. And to me, that's kind of like, separation that's kind of like hell on earth exactly. i think in order to be happy we have to be in touch with our hearts and and you said it earlier we have to have wholeness 
Yes. And, and wholeness suggests that we have the experience of our hearts and the experience of our mind. So yes. that we can- and I don't know, for, for me, I don't know if this is true for you, my life took a dramatic change, turn for the better, once I was living with my mind in service to my heart. Not my the heart's other way first, and then my mind is in service to that. Exactly. That's when things started. It's like my heart's in the driver's seat. My mind is in the passenger's seat. Life works better for me when that's the order. <laughs> well, that's really well said because that's what's required. It seems so from my personal experience. <laughs> One person's opinion. Yeah, exactly. It's just what, you know, <laughs> how's it working for me pretty well? <laughs> yes, yes. Seems yes, like it's working no, for you too. That. I can hear that in your voice. Yeah, life, life is good. It wasn't always this way. I tried it the other way. It didn't work so well. Something else I love that I believe you wrote in your book is like children are like wet cement. <laughs> what was imprinted on them stays there. Um, and I know that was true for me. Until things got so bad, I fell to my knees. And I don't know about you, Tom, but I can really see the blessing now in me having a stepfather that was abusive. Would you say that that's true for you? Do you think you would have come to this place, this place of wholeness, if things hadn't been so bad? It's a really good point that you raised, Tammy. And uh, although I wouldn't wish that kind of experience on anyone, I can definitely say that in my own experience, uh, it did accelerate my search for relief. And I mm-hmm. thought, there's got to be more to life than this, uh, and I'm going to find it. And had I not had such a challenging uh, early life, perhaps I wouldn't have been so interested in that search, yes. which brought me to the solution. And now I feel like uh, I, I would refer to you as um, like a wounded healer. You were really hurt. You were really broken. You were really fractured, but you found your way. And now you can be a light and an inspiration to others that maybe are in that place that you've been. And there are many people like that. And I, I, obviously you and I share that. Yeah. Well, and I really think it's the journey of the hero. I think it's, you know, it's part of, um, you know, the process of incarnating as a human being, you know, it's, um, not always fun. But I think there's grace here. I think, you know, and I love this about your book. Again, it's not a self-help book, but there was so much help to be had. You know, you, you go into some concepts about being aspects of God and, and um, coming full circle to this place and, and knowing that and taking responsibility for it. It's just such a wonderful, wonderful book on so many levels. Thank you. So if people want to get it, Tom, how can they get a copy of True North? So if people would like to uh, purchase a, a copy of True North, it is available on my website, which is truenorthbytomnorth.com. It's also available uh, at Amazon or wherever books are sold. That's awesome. So with uh, your book, I got this beautiful bookmark. And this is a quote from your book as well. You're a poet. I didn't know that. But um, you say, with each, within each of us, there is a light, a light that shines eternal. It is the light of the rising sun. It is the light of the full moon. It is the light of the stars in the darkest night. It is the light in a mother's eye gleaming at her newborn. It is the light between lovers as they embrace. It is the light in the path of souls on their journey to the other side. It is the light of love. 
It is the light of being. It is the light of God. See the light. Be the light. Shine the light for all to see. Ah, it gives me goosebumps every time I read it. <laughs> Thank you. I have to share with you that that was given to me during a meditation. Oh, yeah. Some good stuff can come through then, right? <laughs> it really does. It really does. And I, it was at the very early part of the meditation, and I could only hope that it was still there when I came out of meditation. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> was. So, so beautiful. And I mean, you can tell sometimes when something's coming directly from the light or from source, from spirit, and you were clearly channeling that. And it's just, um, it's brilliant. I don't take take ownership of that. That poem. No, but you were the vessel it came through and you took responsibility for it. Yes. And I just made sure that I, I created a mechanism to share that. Uh, because it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to everyone. I know. I, I say that too. You know, I'm just giving credit where credit's due. It's just, it's just God. And that is my prayer and intention to be a vessel for spirit to work through. And I see that so clearly in your book, what you wrote with this and what you're doing in your life. And I'm just, again, so, so happy that you've said yes to this journey. Thank you. Well, this and was fun. I can't believe it's day. over. Can you believe this is over, Tom? It went so fast. Wow. Wow. I wish I could keep talking to you. Yeah, I so, thought it was. Uh, I thought we had like five or ten minutes left, but we don't. I know. It's like crazy. We went into that place of non-time. <laughs> now there's no, no time we left. <laughs> well, so, me, thank you so much. Thank you, Tom North. I think you're amazing, and I adore you. And and to my listeners, thank you for hanging out with us. I hope you got great value from this. I know you did. If you want to get a hold of me, TammyBPhD.com. Come check it out. Be in touch with any questions, comments, thoughts. Get my guided meditation. And just love from my heart to yours. God bless you. Onward and upward. Bye for now.